Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. I'll say it one more time. If you haven't listened in a few episodes, we are no longer the Benny and the Bets podcast. Again, the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Very well received uh, amongst listeners, even some of our haters on Twitter, which may even be rival podcasters, saying, nice name. So yeah, here we are. Uh, Tonight, we kind of have a very juicy episode in store. We are going to talk about the Jared Porter Mets controversy. He, as many of you know, was fired from his general manager's position, I think think let's see if i can do the math 36 days after taking the job for showing his hoo-hoo dilly to a female foreign reporter unsolicited we're going to get into all of that he has now been fired we're also going to talk john lester going to the washington nationals where is heim bloom right now signing crappy players and We may get into the George Springer situation literally as we are recording. Uh, It looks like a deal might be done. If details come out in the next several minutes, we could get into that. And we will also touch on the Andrew Benintendi situation. So, dicking around with me tonight, Job Goddard, Charlie Smith. How are you, gentlemen? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? (laughs) Pretty good. I'm, I'm loving it. We have an explicit tag now because of our name uh, on Apple Podcasts, so we're gonna we're gonna keep it mostly clean, and you know, despite the tag, and we're pretty good about not dropping f bombs, but you know, they can happen. Uh, so, you know, I fell asleep on my couch last night, and I woke up in the middle of the night, and I see basically the tweets about the uh, Jared Porter. Mets GM situation, dirty pictures. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to end well. I went back to bed. I had the morning off, woke up a little late. Cohen terminated him. And I'm just thinking, that's the most Mets thing ever. You know, like uh, what other organization is going to have a controversy like this? It's, It's always the Mets. So, Joe, just real quick, just your instant thought, like, you know, uh, my instant thought was they did the right thing to fire him. How did you not do your due diligence before hiring him? This seems like something that would come out during the hiring process. I like that Cohen stuck to his guns here. He could have very easily, we've seen this brushed aside before in other organizations and other situations, uh, but he came right out. He owned it, said, I hired him. He's no longer part of the organization. Clean slate. I like it. Yeah. And, you know, w- Fired, you know, I actually don't know the timeline of the uh, Carlos Beltran firing. I I think Taubman. uh, 52 days. Oh, 52. Oh, you had it. Yeah. So um, I said Taubman. I got my my bad GMs mixed up. Uh, Porter, (laughs) Porter, you know, barely had time. Nobody had time to hold his beer, you know, just fired so fast. But Charlie, quickly, uh, your thoughts. Uh, they did the right thing. I woke up this morning and saw breaking news, and the first thing I thought was, holy crap, finally, Bauer signed. Who did he sign with? Oh, wait, somebody got fired. <laughs> Again. 
for misconduct detrimental to the team and your whole family. You're a complete coward. Um, it's disappointing that it happened to the Mets for the second time in a row, our second year in a row. Different circumstances, you know, first the cheating scandal in Houston, and then um, now you have sexual misconduct and whatnot. This is a whole new ball game, game for the for the lack of a better term. Uh, but this is something that was was briefly touched upon. You know, like he was vetted and lauded. People thought this guy was a good guy. Like they liked him. He was well liked. He was well respected. Um, but here's the thing: you're asking men about a man. When was the last time before this year? How many women? How many women hold a high position in Major League Baseball on all thirty teams? Just one now. Very few. <laughs> Very few. Right? Five years ago, like none. That's it. That's just how it was. What would the response be? Because Brad and I touched up on this on the YouTube video. Uh, what would the response have been if you asked women about Porter? Because here's the thing. You send one or two text messages, regardless of what you're doing. You send one or two, you don't get a response. You take a, you take a spoonful of F off and, and you move on. This guy didn't send one, two three, five, 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 messages with no response. Dude, did you like go from like eight to, I don't even know how effing old you are. Like, how do you not know? She's not into you. She's not interested. I guarantee you, if you send her a picture of your bulge followed by yourself with no clothes on, you're still going to get the same reaction. She's not all of a sudden going to find Jesus and say, oh yeah. I want you more of that. This guy's just an idiot. He's just a complete moron. He's an embarrassment to himself, an embarrassment to his family. I mean, good luck at the next holiday with this guy. How do you, how do you say Merry Christmas to this? You know? Yeah. It's hard to recover from this. I mean, he's all of his, all of his family had a front row seat to it. I I don't know if he has kids, but they're, they could potentially be bullied in school for this. So we'll get into it. Let's let's go into the the full timeline here, and I'll try to get through it as quickly as I can. Um, so the incident took place summer of 2016. Jared Porter was then the director of scouting for the Chicago Cubs. Now he took this job after winning three rings, holding various front office positions with the Red Sox. So three rings already. 2016 that was a World Series year for the Cubs. So. They're in the midst of that. He meets a female foreign reporter who is anonymous, and rightfully so. Um, And the the reporter understood very little English. But both of them met uh, during the summer of 2016 and exchanged information. Reporters you know, obviously love to have front office people as contacts, you know, to verify stuff as we're seeing tonight with uh, George Springer. But um, so they exchanged information and uh, exchanged text messages, which started out cordial and harmless. uh, And then shortly after took a turn for the creepy, Uh, the foreign reporter apparently, you know, got uncomfortable and stopped responding to Jared Porter. And as Charlie was alluding to, Porter went on to send over 60 unanswered text messages, some of which uh, contained more uh, explicit photographs of his private area. 
At some point during that time frame, uh, Porter spotted the female foreign reporter at Wrigley Field, texted her from afar to see if they would meet up. Uh, and um, she, you know, basically uh, continued to ignore him. And she told some acquaintances at the field that day that she felt very panicked, uh, you know, and like I said, continued to not respond. Finally, days later, with the help of an English-speaking friend of hers, she finally responded to Jared Porter, saying that the texts were inappropriate and offensive, and she wanted him to stop. Porter complied with her wishes, apologized twice, and there was a period after, you know, all those exchanges, uh, that female reporter went to her employer and informed them of the situation. Uh, and, and that her employer then reached out to the Cubs front office, spoke to one person from the Cubs front office. And this is according to Jeff Passan. Uh, and, Whoever that was, we don't know who the official with the Cubs was, but that person in the Cubs front office attempted to bring Jared Porter and the female uh, foreign reporter together uh, to hopefully come up with some sort of resolution. Uh, the female foreign reporter was considering uh, legal action, but ultimately decided against it. Uh, the meeting never happened. And then Nothing happened until this week, and according to Passan, um, that female is no longer in the journalism industry. She's now in a completely different field. She watched Jared Porter ascend to basically the pinnacle of you know what a person like Porter would aspire to be, and didn't think it was fair. And finally, you know, had the courage to speak up. Now that she's not in another field, you know, there there was there was less risk for her. And I don't think anybody blames her. But that's basically as quickly as I could go through it, uh, the nature of of what happened. And, you know, Charlie, you know, got into it a little bit. So. You know, given the exact details at this point, Job, you know, the step by step, the creepiness of it. I mean, if you guys there there was an ESPN video with Pass and narrating it and and you could see, you know, they showed you the text messages and they showed you some of the pictures. Some of them obviously had to be blurred or blacked out, but you could see Porter kind of grooming her. You know, very subtly, the first inappropriate picture he sent was of his, you know, his hoo-hoo dilly, as I keep calling it. And, um, you know, but it, it was in his pants. It was just a bulge type thing. And, you know, he started off kind of light and then it graduated to, you know, full on, you know, nudity. And, you know, very calculated on his part. And and here's a here's a victim that she's in a tough spot, you know, she really is. And I think Charlie pretty much touched, you know, touched on this a little bit. But other women in baseball, you know, they talk. Um, I'm lucky enough where I've spoken on my personal show that I do 
with Justine Siegel, who was the first female head coach to work for an MLB organization in the Oakland A's. There are women in baseball group chats that consist of coaches, reporters, um, women in front offices, because there are so few. They talk, they support each other. If you had asked women about, you know, the situation with, with Porter beforehand, guaranteed they would have had a different response um, and different reviews for him because some someone had to know who was in a position to say something. Uh, it's unfortunate it's only coming out now. There's no excuse for, for what he's done, and there's no excuse for, you know, this not coming up earlier except that the victim, unfortunately, you know, didn't want to come forward. That's her right. Um, but even subtly, I, I refuse to believe that there's no way, you know, someone couldn't have stepped up and said something to Cohen, to MLB, to someone else. You don't need this kind of proof in order to remove somebody from such a position of esteem. Um, to me, it's it's kind of an uh, egg on the face of the league as a whole. Um, and it's kind of an embarrassment to the sport, specifically the Chicago Cubs and the New York Mets, who's hiring practices. I know there's a new owner, so it's not the same as last year, but their hiring practices really coming into question now. Two straight years of hiring someone uh, with you know a questionable background and having to move on from that person before there's ever been a game played at City Field. So right. that's what I take away from it. And I really I hope that Major League Baseball moving forward um, with Kim Eng, especially now in a position of prominence, starts to move away from the quote unquote old boys club scenario that all of sports seem to be in. But I this doesn't give me much hope, you know, so there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I, ho I hope this is the beginning of the end for that kind of tolerance because he should not hold a position of esteem in Major League Baseball again. Uh, his career should be over. Hopefully it is. And uh, we should move on. Yeah, um, you know, perfectly put, Joe. But I don't think that we're going to see him get um, another opportunity in Major League Baseball. It's just not going to be something that any team is going to be able to say, Yep, we forgive you. You know, there there have been players in other sports that have uh, gotten away with things that are are terrible and things that um, players have not gotten away with. Um, hitting a woman was a, a big one in the NFL with Ray Rice. Uh, Ray Rice's career was over as a running back for the Baltimore Ravens when he struck his girlfriend or fiance. I don't remember now. Um, in and was dragging her off of an elevator, and his career was over. And uh, people were talking about, oh, well, yeah, his career is over, but it's the Baltimore Ravens. If he was good at his position, they would have given him another chance. And they did. And I was like, you know, other uh, teams did. They considered it. That was it. But what people forget is several years before, Ray Lewis, one of their best players' career, one of the best linebackers of all, probably one of the best linebackers of all time, killed someone, literally murdered someone, and they welcomed him back with open arms. So if Porter was fantastic at what he did, I think there would still be someone who would want to use him as like a ghost, uh, a ghost member of leadership. Um, but because of this, this guy is what, 45 years old. How old is he? Uh, I think he's 45, but just while, before we get there, we do have breaking news from Passan. George Springer is in agreement with the Toronto Blue Jays. 
you, you know, so you heard it here first. Do you have the um, details, the years? I will pull it up right now. I don't believe so. I can get it pretty quick. No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. It's it's it just says source uh, are in agreement on a deal. Yep, one minute ago from Passon. Passon has it. Yeah. So uh-huh. well, we'll, I had it an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get into uh, we'll get into that in a little bit here, but. Um, so Charlie, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm oh, sorry. no, no, you're good. I mean, here, here's the thing. Like, this guy's not going to get another opportunity. He was on nobody's – I mean, he was on a couple radars, but uh, unfortunately his career never fully took off, right? He was a GM for six minutes. How many days? 32 days? Uh, 37. 37 days, yeah. So, no. Um, if you're dumb enough to do something like that and you actually read the conversation – so I was actually um, – just out of curiosity, was I, I wanted to read – uh, what was being said, um, and he's actually he's actually really creepy in what he says. Um, the text messages. Um, let's see if I can find this. He was saying, uh, "Which picture do you like the most? Want to see more?" Question mark. Question mark. Five hours later, hello, beautiful. Ninety minutes after that, is it too much for you? Two hours later, where did you go? All three hours later, at two o'clock in the morning, I'm bored. It was infatuated with someone who he could almost, I mean, I hate to say this, but foreign respondent, uh, correspondent, uh, someone who, who didn't speak the language that well, it's an easy target. I mean, this is this is a predator. And people like this should not have grand opportunities like being the GM of one of the biggest teams in in sports. You, you're you're a GM in New York. You're already in one of the most sought-after cities and one of two Major League Baseball teams. You deserve to be done. You, you're done. You are a predator. You know, and that's kind of what I got to with the grooming thing. It was very calculated, like you said. It was step-by-step. Step. He, 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 he kind of went into it gradually. So I can only speculate. And it's important for me to point that out before I say this next thing is uh, she probably wasn't the only one. I would be very surprised if if she was the the only victim and she's in a tough spot. Like maybe she could have exited it, you know, when she wanted, maybe. But she also might have to deal with him in the future and. She's trying to gain an edge by having an executive as as a potential contact. It's right. just a very tough spot for her to be in. And, um, you know, 60 plus unanswered, you know, I mean, we're we're we've been in the dating world before. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been ghosted after hanging out with someone and I've had similar situations where I haven't been into whoever it was that, that I hung out with. And I I think a, a normal person with common sense knows, okay, after the third or fourth non-reply, it's time to move on. <laughs> you know? Like, dude, how do you – like, I feel like this is some shit you learn when you're in high school. Like, I've been ghosted before. That sucks. Yeah. I've never ghosted anyone because I feel like everyone deserves a response. But dude, you started going down this weird rabbit hole of like awkward, creepy. Uh, you're making the situation really uncomfortable. 
he's already divorced from 2014, six years ago. Not sure how long the marriage lasted, probably because he was doing dumb shit. Um, I feel for his, I feel for his family, but you wonder where does someone like this learn that? You know, you didn't read about it or maybe you did. Where did you read it? Who are your close confidants? Are you in a group? There are so many questions now. There are so many questions. I, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with this situation. Right. I guess the the next thing I'm kind of curious about was, and we might never know this, but who was the official in the Cubs organization? Was it really just one? And was Theo Epstein ever aware of it? And what steps did he take? I can't, we can't say that, that there was a cover up. I'm not, I can't go there because that's an extreme take, but it's incredible extreme, but, and someone like this, someone who does something like this has to be secretive. It's, it's, it's like Illuminati. If you believe in that, it is a very, very close circle. And this person, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in that circle. Theo Epstein, no. So I, I know that just before I joined the the team here, when it was formerly still Benny and the Vets podcast, you guys talked about Theo Epstein and whether or not he would be the next MLB commissioner right after he left the Cubs. He retired, went away for a couple of months, came back. Now he's with the MLB in a in an advisory capacity that we all think might lead to the commissioner's job. Does this hang a cloud over that? That's Madden, Charlie. Even if you don't think there's a cover up, does this hang a cloud over kind of his? Be a, potential? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing: you can't deny it. No one's gonna say like Theo Epstein isn't gonna be able to turn around and say, "Oh my God, how dare the Cubs, dude? You were there. You were there." So it's going to look bad because they're going to say, well, Theo Epstein was, he was the man in charge and he didn't even know. Well, something like this is very different. It's not, I mean, it's, it's similar to like what you see in the movies. It's similar to what you see in TV shows. People aren't going to be openly talking about how they're predators, right? Like the, the number one issue in the United States isn't alcohol or drugs. It's child trafficking. That shit's legit. And anyone who who doesn't know or has never even considered that, I suggest you do some research. It's actually insane. It's disgusting. And there was a Major League Baseball umpire who was uh, involved in uh, a sting operation. And it was it, it, when his Brian Onora. Yeah, when his when his face was posted, it did look familiar. And someone ended up putting on Twitter, "Huh, is that Major League Baseball umpire Onora?" Yeah, it was. He was not openly talking about what he was doing with other umpires. What this man was doing could not have been shared with other people. I don't. I blame Theo Epstein for not knowing about this because I doubt Theo Epstein was in on this. This is different than found out some information about the other team. We're going to see if we can get an edge. We're, we're going to do this. So this, if you openly admit, oh, yeah, I'm talking and trying to like, you know, hit on other girls that don't speak my language. And uh, I'm just trying to see if I can, you know, get them in the sack. But I'm going to send them inappropriate photos. They, they may be 18. They may be younger. We don't know. We don't even know how old she is. You have no idea. And you have no idea how many other people he's done this to. 
Do you think she was the first? No. Yeah, I absolutely just, not. I'm just wondering. You know that that's what I'm getting at. You know, he's he could be in a much different situation Epstein can be, you know, in a position of leadership where you need to have a lot of integrity. So, you know, when the whole Watergate scandal broke in the, in the 70s, you know, the big question was, what did the president know and when did he know it? So that's kind of what I want to know, you know, in regards to Epstein. Was he aware of this? And maybe, maybe, if he was, I, and I'm like speculating here wildly, and I, I'm, you know, uh, I'm being upfront about that. But, you know, there could be a scenario where maybe he did try to, you know, maybe he did try to resolve it in a way that everybody was satisfied with. And maybe if the the female reporter just wasn't really willing to cooperate for reasons that were important to her at the time, then fine. Okay. At least he tried, you know, in earnest to try to, um, you know, to resolve it. So that, that's one thing that I'll be watching. You know, I think all of us will be as, you know, as this situation, you know, develops further, uh, next, this is, this is really something that I'm worried about is because of this situation, is this going to be a catalyst for an avalanche of people going down because of inappropriate messages? If you go back just a few years ago, the Me Too movement, you know, so many people got caught up in that. Matt Lauer from Good Morning America, you know, long time, you know, anchor for that show, done. You know, a, a comedian, the the one person I was super bummed about, you know, I, I knew somebody I liked was eventually going to get caught up in that. And Louis C.K., the comedian, you know, harassing females and, you know, he's trying to come back. But, you know, it seems like his career's not going to go anywhere. And, you know, so there was just an avalanche of people getting exposed and rightfully so. And I'm just wondering if if there's going to be a domino effect as a result of what we saw, you know, with other executives, you know, Terry, I kind of hope so. Um, more so than I ever have before. I I'm rooting for this kind of scandal in major league baseball, because I think that's, that might be what puts the commissioner's office over the top in forcing them to make some changes. Um, and, you know, forcing some change on the league as far as, you know, equality and opportunities for women because there's no reason that this should be tolerated. There's no reason that this should go on. And if there is an avalanche and this is a widespread thing throughout the league, it should be exposed and, and dealt with accordingly by the league. Now, do I think Manfred will do that? No, I think he's spineless and uh, I don't see him really imposing any kind of consequences himself on anyone. Um, but hopefully it it shines a light on something that across the sport we can remove and, and move on from. I realize it's a kind of a stain on the sport, but everyone's kind of been hit by it. I mean, Charlie talked a little earlier about the, you know, the NFL and their stain on it. I mean, Kareem Hunt played in a playoff game this weekend, you know, in front of a whole crowd. There's a video of him kicking a woman who's on the floor. Sports have, are like the one thing 
in this country that seem to be immune to change as far as equality goes and as far as tolerance for these things go. And I hope that baseball, for once, does something efficient, um, does the right thing here, and exposes it and moves on. Charlie? Agreed. Um, When the Me Too movement came out, um, you know, I know a lot of people that work in entertainment, uh, and some of them have publicly come out, both men and females, uh, stating their case, and people had said, um their stories and um you know it 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 hits home because anybody who works in entertainment knows um if you don't know the industry very well casting directors producers will take advantage and pry on those that either don't know the system or uh truthfully are too naive to understand like what could happen casting directors and producers will promise things that they know that they can't necessarily guarantee if you do this i can get you that um and it happened across multiple platforms of commercials of film of tv shows of of literally a, a theater anything it didn't matter you know directors would would pry on those that were younger um this is a situation that uh is just the tip of the iceberg. I know it's, it, it, it was like the cheating, you know, I don't want to compare this to the cheating scandal, but similar to that cheating scandal, once it started, all the chips started to, to fall. And one by one, everyone started getting tagged. Managers got fired. Players were then of uh, making unofficial or official apologies, but were insincere in them. Um, and, you know, owners were fine. Teams were were, were in big trouble. Uh, managers were banned for a year. Uh, it was just, or suspended for a year, you know? Um, I'd be lying to you if I said that this is over. I think anybody that thinks that it's over is is out of their mind. Um, when, when, uh, when one person accused uh, a famous producer in LA, it took one. It took one. And then there was another one and then another one. And then before you know it, you've got over 15 accusing one of the biggest producers in all of Hollywood. And that's, that's how it starts. But the problem is uh, the industry is so male dominated. It's also uh, with, with this industry as well, entertainment. And you have a lot more females that have powerful roles, but there was a line that I heard in a TV show uh, that women work twice as hard for half as much. So when you think about that for a second, uh, anyone who who's afraid of of, of growing or advancing, uh, we shouldn't feel that way. But as a man, you don't know what that's like. You don't know because you're already you're, you're automatically dealt with a plus one. You already got that extra edge. These are situations that if you're a female, you are terrified, potentially terrified of losing your job, being accused of being a liar um it, it, it's it's god awful and and this is um again not just entertainment not just in sports this happens in everything in you know in, in law in medicine all sorts of stuff it's disgusting so we'd be lying to ourselves if we said that this is you know all right you know porter was one all right now we can move on there'll be other ones 
I think so as well. And, you know, some front offices, I mean, if these dominoes do start falling, I I hope they don't. I I really hope this is isolated. But like Charlie said, you know, with the, you know, with the way, you know, you know, people have evolved and, you know, especially with in the last, you know, decade and a half with smartphones, it's just hard to imagine that, there hasn't been, uh, you know, a lot more inappropriate, you know, hanky panky going on. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, at least for, you know, I don't know, the sake of the sport, it, it you know, none of it comes to light. And, and more importantly than anything, hopefully this is a lesson to people and, you know, a lot of those activities cease so I guess we'll get into the uh, the next hot topic of the night now that most of the details have come out. George Springer. Sorry, one, one quick thing. Oh, one sure. Quick thing, yeah, uh, if you don't mind, real quick. On, on the last note there, I'd love to hear from some of the listeners. I, I know we have a strong female audience. I'd love if they would you know shoot us some feedback either on Twitter or even in the reviews or in our DMs. Um, sorry to open up your DMs here, Terry, but if they <laughs> would shoot good. us you know a note – let us know how what they think about you know whether someone knew um, or how widespread they think this is because just as women they'll know more than we will and so I'd be interested to hear kind of their perspective on this um, and I'll obviously do some asking but any listeners who have any kind of perspective I'd love to hear from them. Yeah, and and this goes without saying, but for every action before you're considering doing something like sending. Uh, <clears throat> a a an, an inappropriate photo regardless of the content regardless of what you're doing or wearing or not wearing for every action there's a reaction the action could potentially be negative it could be exponentially worse as far as the reaction goes if you think for one second that nothing could potentially happen you're wrong think about it this is not a uh, a decision that you can take back and once it's there it's there. It's different than hearsay. Hearsay, you could say it happened or it didn't happen. There's no way to prove it. Once it's in in picture form, that is that's evidence. That's that's it. That you can't disprove that. That is there forever. You can deny it all you want. She's the one holding up the phone in this situation. So I hope people really do think about things, not only pictures, but also things about what you say. Because what you say in writing, that's there forever. So imagine what a picture a picture uh, can do. Picture truly does say a thousand words. Well said, Charlie. Uh, transitioning now uh, to some breaking news uh, this evening. You know, many of you by the time uh, you listen to the podcast will probably have uh, y- you know glossed over a lot of the details. George Springer, former right fielder for the. Houston Astros has signed a six-year, $150 million contract with the Toronto Blue Jays, who have been connected to him all winter. So finally, uh, a deal has been reached for them. Apparently, the Mets were, um, you know, a finalist. (laughs) They've had a busy day, as we uh, have been talking about, uh, you know, with their now-fired GM. But... The, the Blue Jays end up getting their guy. Springer, 
31 years old. If they make the playoffs next year, he'll uh, he'll be turning 32 around then. So this basically takes him, uh, you know, into you know his age 37, age 38 season. My thoughts on it, real quick. I'm concerned because not a great, you know, record of health. He's going to be playing on a rough surface. You know, that was a problem for Troy Tulowitzki, you know, going from Colorado to the, uh, you know, the the AstroTurf or whatever in, in Toronto. So I'm not sure that translates well. And I really think, like, this could be, you know, an Ellsbury 2.0 situation. Maybe not quite as quickly as that happened in New York, but I could see this being a very painful contract for the Blue Jays. If it were someone, you know, with a with a good record of health, you know, maybe I'd be less concerned. You know, like a Tory Hunter type guy. I think I used him as an example. You know, he played till close to 40. Um, you know, there have been examples of players that have been highly productive in their 30s, but I think Springer comes with some red flags and you know, and this um, could, yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I very much agree. I very much agree with you. Um, we have some other breaking news happening right now. We'll uh, have to get into it in a second. Uh, the Angels are signing Jose Quintana, uh, okay. which probably rules out Trevor Bauer and moves him elsewhere. So we'll talk about that. I'm sure in a minute. Um, I think six years, one fifty is is what he was going to command from the New York Mets. The deal is probably the same in terms of money and a little bit different in terms of years. Um, But I do really like this move for the Jays. I think they have some promising young talent, and the one thing that they're really lacking on this team is a big, you know, leader presence, uh, leadership role from a veteran who's been there and won it all. I mean, I know he won it all with the Houston Astros, and that comes with an asterisk and all of that. But he's been there, he's done it all, and they have some, serious young talent on this roster. This puts them, I think, over the top in the American League East, um, even without signing any more pitching. And I would not be surprised if the Yankees try to make another move to match. I think the Yankees thought that signing DJ to that cheap deal and then Corey Kluber this weekend pretty much guaranteed them the AL East. And uh, the Blue Jays just hammered right back. I don't know what your thoughts are, Charlie. Terry. You, you bring up an interesting point real quick. You know, I, I just wonder who's going to play more games in the next three years, Judge or Springer? <laughs> you know, because there's... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's Aaron Judge, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. I don't know, man. I honestly don't know about either one of those right now. It's it's crazy that he, he got 6-150. Um, that's going to be really interesting because uh, now the last piece to fall is Bauer, which is what I thought was going to be uh, this morning's breaking news, but it ended up going a completely different direction. Um, six years, 150. He'll probably be good for maybe four of those years. The last two, we don't know. Um, it could be a complete bust contract. It very well could be similar to like the, the Carl Crawford deal where he got 7-142. Um, I'm curious to see how he can do in another market. I really am. And uh, I'm curious to see how he will be embraced in his new role in Toronto. You're going from a team that's a contender to a team that's, I don't know, 
I mean, you're not the Yankees in the East, and you're not the Red Sox, so Toronto's probably got a chance of being a top two, top three team. Um, I'm curious to see what happened with some of their rookies, too. And, I mean, you put Springer in there with um, <clears throat> Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You have uh, Calvin Biggio and um, Bo Bichette. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch three rookies. Hey, boy. Um I'm curious to see what happens. It'll it'll be interesting for sure. It'll be weird to see him not in Houston, but you know what? He needs to try to move on from that, and and Houston needs to be able to move on from it too. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It'll be a fun year. You know, I I think Terry brought up an interesting point, uh, and Terry, I I want to ask your kind of opinion on it. Who does play more games, Aaron Judge or George Springer? The reason I ask is there's no room for George Springer to DH. There, there's another bat there at every spot. You can DH Aaron Judge if you have to on a platoon basis. Springer will play more games. But Springer is going to be hurt. Why do you why do you say that, Charlie? What's your what's your thought process there? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. How tall is George simple. Springer? I mean, how tall I is George Springer? Off the top of my head, but I'm I would imagine look. he's probably 6 foot. Uh, he he's bigger than that. Like he's he's, he's, he's six, like two, he's six, three. 6'3". He's 6'3". Aaron Judge okay, is 6'7". Right? Four inches difference. Uh, he is 31 years old. Aaron Judge is 28 years old. He's three years younger, and his body's already breaking down. Six foot seven. That is a monstrosity. That's an albatross. I mean, literally, he needs a permit to play baseball. He's that big, right? Um, we've already seen the body breaking down. George Springer is four inches shorter. He's a little bit older, but... At 28, if he's having problems, how do you think it's going to be at 31, 32, 33? The Yankees made one of the biggest mistakes in the last couple of days by not making a trade with Cincinnati. Now it opens the door. Who are you going to? Who would you rather give your money to, Gleyber Torres or Aaron Judge? Torres, Gleyber Torres. Sure. I move on from Aaron Judge. He he's had an injury history as well. Torres has, but Judge, you just kind of. Right. Yeah, I mean, here's some numbers on Judge. Um, 2019 limited to 102 games. Uh, and then the season before, 2018, I think that was the year he had an oblique problem, uh, limited to 112 games. So, you know, he's missed big chunks of, of a season. Springer's missed time. It hasn't quite been that that severe, you know, like judges had, um, getting his right now. So in, in 2019, uh, Springer was limited to 122 in both 2017 and 2018 played 140 games, uh, in both of those years, 162 in 2016, and then 102 in, uh, 2015. So he does have a, a slightly spotty, you know, injury, um, you know, history. I guess one of the things I'm kind of wondering is now that he's gotten paid, you know, is he still going to be a grinder, you know? And so Terry, I totally think that's a, an interesting point to discuss. What really worries me is now is now though, Toronto's going to have to pay some of these young guys in a couple of years and they're going to have this dead money if they get an Ellsbury type deal out of Springer. So is he going to produce probably for the first two or three years of that deal for the back end. You know, if they don't get some serious production out of George Springer, and I mean, they're going to need, they're going to need a 300 hitter 
with 15 home runs for the entirety of that contract at the very least uh, to make up for the fact that they're going to have to let some, you know, one of these promising young players walk and or deal him in order to, to pay George Springer because not all of, you know, I'm Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in his third season, I believe. Right, so he's going to be arbitration eligible this year. Um, Bo Bichette is going to be arbitration eligible next season. You have a lot of these young guys that are going to really grow to, you know, grow to fruition. And if they're as good as the Jays think they are, they have a chance, you know, at a ring. But come three years from now, they're going to be in big salary cap hell if they don't, you know, figure out this situation. I don't know what I don't know whether you guys kind of agree with me, disagree that they kind of just open their championship window um, in the next two three years, and I think it closes a lot faster than people think. It it definitely does. I mean, you know that money, like you said, is still going to be on the books when Vladimir Junior, who is looking ripped as hell, I've seen some before and after pictures. He's in phenomenal shape right now. Um, you know, so he's gonna you know, be up for free agency and I think probably four or five years, uh, Bo Bichette on a similar uh, schedule. So I guess they are just kind of focused on the now. Um, you know, they went deep those two years fairly recently, got to the league championship series. So they're probably itching to go back. And this is one of the moves that, uh, you know, they're making to try to get there. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I hate Springer. You know, he, he does have baggage coming from the Astros, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to wish ill will on him, but you know, he is only a career. He's never hit 300 once in his career. So, you know, a career, uh, 265, 270 guy, uh, high OBP. So, you know, hopefully for Toronto's sake, that will, uh, continue and, his power numbers are good, you know, his hit north of, of 30 home runs at least two or three times. So, um, you know, first qualifying offer guy to sign with a different team. You know, LeMahieu stayed with the Yankees. Looks like Real Muto is going to stay with the Phillies. So we'll see. But that's one guy off the board. So the the focus will uh, shift. You know, Bowers, you know, another big fish. So, um, more breaking news, as Job said, Jose Quintana won't spend a ton of time on him, a one-year deal with the Anaheim Angels. I don't know that that necessarily rules out Bauer. Uh, you know, it might make it less likely, but, um, you know, a very Angels-type move, signing a guy with, you know, coming off of a few bad seasons and... And I, Mickey Callaway's their pitching coach now, and you know he's very well regarded. So maybe he can fix a guy like Quintana. But Quintana's career has been in a spiral now for a while, and you know a lot of guys like him end up in Anaheim. And I, I just think it's going to be more of the same for them. Terry, real quick on on Toronto, I don't think they're that worried about signing Springer to six one fifty twenty five per for the next six years. Uh, you only have a couple players signed for the next couple of years anyways in Toronto. Uh, in 2024, 2025, there's no one on the books. Everyone's arbitration eligible and or a free agent. Um, Vladimir Guerrero is arbitration eligible year four in 2025. Biggio, same thing. 
Um, Bo Bichette is arbitration eligible year three in 2025. So we're not going to have to worry about this stuff until 2026 or 2025 for some of these players. Which would be four you know? years four years into this deal. And he'll be, if I'm not mistaken, that puts him at, what, 37 years old, George Springer? 36. 37, so, right? So one, two, three, four, five. By the end of 2025, they'll have 25 million in dead money. You might be able to move that, package him with something else if you don't want to have him anymore, unless he's still ripping it. You know, maybe he's like Edwin and Carlos, you know, who knows? Um, but the Angels, too. I mean, do you think that Angels fans, as soon as they got Quintana, were like Terry a couple days ago? Like, this is it. We got Martin Perez, and <laughs> this is the last signing we're going to make. You know, like, what do you what do you think? Do you think Angels fans are like no, no, no? Like a, a classic from uh, a walk the line where uh, Joaquin Phoenix is Johnny Cash and his father said the devil took the wrong son. Like we picked <laughs> yeah. the wrong guy. Like we wanted to get Bauer instead. We got Jose Quintana. I'm I'm a country guy. Perez. Yeah. That's one I'm my... also I'm also a country guy, Terry. That's... So you remember that line in the movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, all right, so Red Sox fans, you know, people like ha ha ha, poo poo on you. And now the Angels got Quintana. Nothing against Quintana. We still don't know what he's going to be like back in the American League after being uh, playing for both Chicago's. Um, but it's kind of the same thing. Would you rather have Quintana or Perez? Uh, very definitely Perez. A... At the... Yeah. At the money, I'd rather have Perez. Oh, yeah, exactly. But I'm saying, like, Quintana, if you could, like, turn back the clock a couple of years, I would totally take that. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, he, I mean we just Quintana yeah. in, in our episode a couple of weeks ago, the three of us, we did our two yeah. guys we don't want to sign. He was on somebody's list. Wasn't um, on mine. I, I, I think it was Terry's list, I think. I had Puig and Odorizzi. Uh, yeah, it wasn't mine. I think it was on yours. He might have been on mine. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't want him. I want nothing to do with him. But <laughs> what, what interests me is Angels fans, and if there are any Angels fans, I don't know that there are, um, they <gasps> are going to be fooled into thinking that this is a big fish because their team has been able to market to them the fact that Mike Trout is greatest on the planet and they don't need anybody else. They don't need to win. They just need to have Mike Trout. So... I'm su- I'll be surprised if they do anything else. And now, if this is the first of many moves, you know, if this is the floodgates and the Angels decide, okay, we got Quintana, now let's go get Bauer, well, then you've got something. You know, then that MLB graphic where it predicts an, uh, an LA World Series in 2026 is not so far off because then you have the building blocks to, I think, making Anaheim somewhat attractive. But if this is it, then they're in for a sore, you know, rude awakening. They're going to finish again in the basement of the ALS. Andrew made, a, you know, an interesting observation uh, in the group chat earlier. Uh, apparently, there's some bad blood between Trevor Bauer and Mickey Callaway. Callaway was the pitching coach in Cleveland uh, before taking the Mets management job. Um, so, and, and I guess, I guess Bauer and Callaway didn't jive and. And Bauer did have some bad years early on. So, um, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at that myself, but maybe that could be um, an issue for Bauer potentially signing in Anaheim. I've seen him chirp them, though, on Twitter, you know, like he he does with a lot of teams. And so, you know, maybe if the money's right, it's just not going to matter. But, um, you know, maybe it's just not one of his top choices anyway. But, you know, Quintana has 
you know, since 2016 really trended uh, downward, uh, you know, in terms of his earned run average, um, you know, 415 in 2017, uh, 403 2018, worst season of his career in 2019 with a 468. Um, and then in 2020, for what it's worth, a, a 4.50. And, you know, in, in all those seasons, let's see, 2017, 32 starts, 32 starts, 2018, 32 starts, 20, 2019. So he's a guy who, you know, by all intents and purposes is, is healthy, but he just can't figure it out, you know, as far as his stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I just, it's just a, gross move you know as far as uh the angels go and i i think they're i don't know how many years 2014 was the last year they were in the playoffs so this is gonna be the sixth or seventh in a row that they just don't get there in, in my opinion and now terry do you think they get there if they go sign trevor bauer now that they've made this move for a number three starter? It looks a little better, you know, especially if they can find a way to fix Dylan Bundy, you know, to to how he was, you know, in in uh, Baltimore those couple of years. He was really good. Um, but it, it's just tough, you know. It, it's hard to pick them to make the playoffs until they finally do it, until they finally prove you wrong. They've got one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player in MLB right now, Mike Trout. They got a very highly regarded manager in Joe Madden, but it, you know it, it's not it's not good enough, you know, because their owner is always sticking his nose into the operation side of things, making decisions that actual baseball this uh, actual baseball executives should be making, and he, you know he's the Jerry Jones of MLB, and. I just, yeah, I'm just an extreme pessimist. I think that's Terry's favorite. I think that's Terry's favorite comparison. I've heard that now <laughs> twice in two shows. The Jerry Jones of. I think um, so. What did I Charlie, use it what for? Are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, you used it for. I can't. I know I, I did. Say it, I want to say it was the Wilpons. Did I? Uh, yeah. But I don't know for certain. Uh, you did use it for somebody, and I'm gonna have to go back and. No, I said. I said the. I it might have been in reference to Cashman. I said the Yankees are the new Cowboys. Uh, I think it was the Yankees. I think I tied I think it, it was in the Yankees. with him. Yeah, yeah. So if I if I think a guy sucks in the worst possible way, you know, apparently Jerry Jones is my guy. You know, to for the comp. <laughs> Interesting but, enough, Charlie. What do you, what do you think about which part? Uh, about the Angels and playoff hopes. Does Trevor Bauer bring them over the edge? And does this make them more or less competitive for Trevor Bauer? Here, I thought we were talking about Jerry Jones. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I think Trevor Bauer certainly helps you. Can't possibly hurt you. And on a team that really hasn't invested too much in pitching, I think it puts you in a better spot. Because really right now you had Anthony Rendon, you have Mike Trout, you have a couple of other guys. But those are the two more well-known names in L.A., uh, that aren't on the Dodgers. Um, I think it helps you, but outside of um, you really do need outside of Bauer, you really do need another superstar, especially now. Like right now, the Yankees have uh, Cole. If if all systems go and Kluber ends up firing away, then you've got two. Uh, I don't think the Angels are better than the Yankees. I don't think the Angels are better than half of the teams in the American League. I think the Angels are right there with the Red Sox. Like, you could roll the dice and 
you in a four game series, I'd be shocked if they didn't split. You know, I think both have the capabilities of winning two games, both probably ugly scores, but it is what it is. Um, Trevor Bauer uh, doesn't put you over the edge in L.A. The mistake was signing Anthony Rendon when you needed pitching. You opted to get more offense when you had no pitching. You had no pitcher on your team win 10 games several years ago. The highest win total was held by a player that is, you know, God rest his soul, no longer here. So you you did your team a disservice by not investing in pitching then. Investing in Trevor Bauer now is is a little too late. Uh, you need to you would have needed to invest in something in addition to Trevor Bauer to make the LA Angels good. So does does you know Rendon Rendon Trout whatever Pujols is uh, Quintana and and Bauer doesn't get you to the American League West or even the wild card. I I tend to think that the American League West outside of the A's who are always tough um, and recently you know Houston. Has yep. really been, you know, like playing craps at, at the or roulette at the table. You could, know, you right, throw it down and, and see what happens. Right. So your question was, could it happen or would it happen? Could, could it happen? happen? Sure. No, can they win? Can, no. No. They're not the best team in the American League. Well, could actually, they win? sure. All that needs to happen is they need to finish second in in their division and they're in. So right. if Houston or Oakland are just terrible, then you know, then that's how they get in. But I still think right, it's but, it's a far. But fetch. how do you win ball games? How do you win a? I don't. How do you win ball games? I don't think they do. You know, they don't. They gotta go sign Pat Light. Yeah, Pat Light's not gonna get it done. Sorry, that's just not gonna. Happen. <laughs> no, no. Pitching is what wins ball games. Pitching wins. You shut down Mike Trout. You shut down Anthony Rendon. That's a cupcake four game series right there. You shut down. You you walk Mike Trout every single time. You shut down the Angels. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah, give I, the I, Bonds you, treatment. I like it. You, you give you give him the Poppy Ortiz treatment when David Ortiz was like 11 for 14 in a series. Like he's hitting 839. Like how, he's hitting 865 or some sh- some stupid number like that. I remember every single time they're just like, oh, you know what? It's better if we just walk Big Poppy because that way he only gets one base instead of two. Yeah, guys, he's gonna get second base anyways. Real quick, um, this device is about to die, so awkwardly, I need to switch devices. Get you guys into another uh, link. So um, I'm gonna wrap my thoughts on this while I'm multitasking with that, and we'll get you guys back in to discuss the Lester situation. Cool. So, so check the Sounds DM. Good. Check the DM for a link. Sorry about that. So as I get done with this real quick, and I apologize for the uh, awkwardness of it, um, you'll hear me fiddling with the devices. Um, the one thing that that's especially frustrating for Angels fans, somebody made the point uh, in a previous episode, I don't know if it might have been Jason or Andrew, but, um, you know... The Angels, excuse me, the Padres have, you know, superstars in their lineup, multiple superstars, and and so do the Dodgers, probably even more so than the Padres. And, you know, those markets for Southern California are just extremely robust, and, and you've got the Angels who have the ability to spend money and, and potentially build a, a good roster – they just never do it, and it's just 
it's going to be frustrating to flounder so bad in that market. And we are having audio issues. Bear with me. Sorry about this. Should go away right now. There we go. Sorry about that. This is so bad. So, yeah, so Angels fans, you know, have a lot to be frustrated about. And I just, you know, I I feel for them, you know, and I can't believe they've gone this far with, you know, not getting as, as frustrated as, as they should have, you know, with their front office. So hang on as I bring them back. There we go. So hopefully the uh, quality isn't bad. There's a reason I uh, I use that other device. So waiting for Charlie and Job to get back in to discuss the Lester situation. Let me uh, try it again. This is so bad. I'm so sorry. That um that other device, um, we're not used to using Google Meet. This is only the second time uh, we've used it and um, just really drained the battery a lot quicker than I could get my charger in and hope that the, uh, the charge would keep up with the phone, but it didn't happen. So um, I guess while we're waiting for them to come in, um, John Lester has, uh, signed a one year, $5 million deal with the, um, here's Charlie with the Washington nationals. And that's especially frustrating for Red Sox fans because for 5 million for Lester to join the nationals, just I, so you know, Job's coming back in. Yeah. Yeah. I would have. Charlie, who would you have preferred, Lester or here's Job? Would you have preferred Lester or um, Perez for five million? Well, I know who you would take for five million. <laughs> I would have rather allocated that money towards Corey Kluber because I'm still upset that we didn't get him. I, honestly, at this point, it would have been nice to see John Lester, but. God, I, I'd have to really, I'd have to take a second to look at both of their numbers the past couple of years to see who I'd really want. I'm easily going Lester. I'm going to be the, the Homer, the Section 10 guy on, on this episode here. Um, easily taking Lester just for the storyline. Just because I haven't seen Eckersley, as far as I remember, I don't remember Eckersley ever calling a John Lester game. I think that was before his time. We'll go Lester. We'll go and Lester. And I'm, I'm going Lester. Yeah, ERA is sinfully bad, but the good thing is John Lester is going to give you as many starts as he possibly can. He's only missed. And in he's the playoffs, not, he's nails. Yeah. If you could yeah, we, we go Lester for five mil. But here's the thing. The sad thing about this whole thing is if you're a member of the Chicago Cubs and you're stuck there, you have absolutely every no reason to be pissed, especially if, let's just say hypothetically speaking, a team like the Cubs manipulated your service time 
in the unlikely event of a player like, oh, I don't know, Chris Bryant. Uh, Where it was very clear and your obvious. Team, your team couldn't spend $5 million to sign John Lester. Where are you telling your fans that your team is going? Did you just not only look at the book, but try to find the page and then rip it out and frame it of what the Red Sox are doing? Because it is so abundantly clear that the Chicago Cubs are in full blow-up mode. They don't even care. And it's it's not even – you can't even make a case to, to, to fight that or, or to object that. You literally couldn't sign John Lester for $5 million. That's sad. That's sad. Job. I mean, Charlie pretty much hit the nail on the head. If if you're the Cubs, you've got to be so pissed right now as as a as a player or even somebody who works in the Cubs organization. You've got to be so upset right now. I think more importantly, MLB should be super upset right, right now um, as an organization, as an entity. If if you're the Yankees or the Padres or the Dodgers, you've got to be severely upset that the, the one of the premier franchises that draws viewers to your sport is just kind of throwing in the towel in a year where you're going to be good and you're going to compete. I know it lessens the competition and opens the door for other teams. That shouldn't be the way they see it. You know, no Indians, no Red Sox, probably, probably no Cubs. I mean, definitely no Cubs. Um, The Rays are probably going to be bad. That's not good for the sport. So major league baseball should be upset they should have some anti-tanking stuff going on as far as salary goes there should be a minimum salary cap that they should work on implementing but if you're a red sox fan right now and they sign martin perez and not john lester i mean i know we're gonna hear it over the course of this week from all the all the fanboys are gonna be like why didn't you sign john lester and to me it's gonna be tough to deal with because i actually agree with them for once i think John Lester is one guy that will always give you compete, which is something this team severely lacked last season and really hasn't. We haven't seen it in two years. Is just the heart, not the, not necessarily the talent, just the heart, um, which makes it entertaining to watch them during the summer. John Lester brings that. He could bring some of these younger guys along in in the system, even even if he only pitches to a four 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 ERA. I think he's capable of that. You're looking at a much better rotation than if you don't sign him. So I like I like the move for John Lester. I love the move for the Nationals, and I hate the move for both the Cubs and the Red Sox and Major League Baseball as a whole. Yeah, and this was a golden opportunity for Hein Bloom to kind of, you know, appease the fan base in a way. You know, he's made a lot of unpopular well, moves. And, yeah, bring in a guy who – who all Red Sox fans love. And, you know, you look at Dustin Pedroia, half the fan base kind of hates him, you know, for the the Barnes controversy. And, um, you know, another half still like him. Maybe it's more than 50-50. Maybe it's, you know, 60-40 in favor of Dustin. But he is somewhat polarizing to, to Red Sox fans. Then you had a guy like David Price, you know, the, I think the majority of Red Sox fans hated that guy. And, and now, you know, a guy like Lester, who's just universally loved, there was just never any divide. And Hein Bloom really blew a, a golden opportunity to, to bring him in. 
And, uh, you know, so, and he still could have, we still have 30 million to play with. That's why a lot of this is so aggravating because they've got the money to sign better players and they're not doing it. They're filling the team with garbage. Hunter Renfro, Matt Andres. I like Martin Perez, but you know, you already brought in like Andres. So, you, you know, you need upgrades over 2020 and, Nothing we've done this winter has has been, you know, represent representative of that. So um, I, I just, think we downgraded Terry. I mean, you, not only just have. the Renfro signing. You know, I think we downgraded in the bullpen. We traded uh, Workman to Philadelphia last year in July for some prospect pieces and and one arm, and now he's gone as well. So you're looking at Andres and hoping he can be some. You know, some gem, some diamond in the rough that you don't haven't seen so far. Who knows what the hell he's going to be? We know what Perez is. He's a solid five innings. If you give him six innings, he's going to get shelled. Um, he may I get think, shelled. You know, he might get shelled anyway. He might. But I think the Red Sox have made it clear they're not interested in competing this season. It's it's upsetting as a fan. This move really solidified it for me. Before this, it was. Heim Bloom was dealt a terrible hand, and he's trying to make the best of it. So he's signing all of these little money ball kind of guys, and you know maybe some analytics that we don't know about or don't follow all that interestingly. You know it pays off. It could be the Johnny Gomes signing of of this season if if it pays off. But you can't right hit now, twenty players like that thinking you're going to you get twenty Johnny Gomes. You can't. Not. You can't hit the lottery like that all the time and be successful. Right. And he was just given the opportunity. I mean, given the golden opportunity to bring in John Lester and cut, get three, four months of slack for Red Sox fans here as we get into the season before we start to hate on him again. And he right. couldn't even do that. I just you feel know, like. Simple. You know, we people will say how his numbers have trended downward, Lester's, but the health is still there. And I just feel like if we put him on our program, maybe things get fine-tuned. Maybe, maybe Dave Bush kind of helps him adapt a little, a little bit more to, you know, you know, pitching more effectively in in his late thirties. You know, he'll be thirty-seven at some point next year. Um, mm-hmm. guess who was 37 in his first season with the Red Sox? Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling. I was going to say, oh no. So I was he say. was 37 in he, his first season. He was 37 oh, yeah. years old. Yeah. And he pitched, oh, you know, through his age dominant. 40 season. Yeah. So, um, you know, Verlander, I think he was like 36 or so. Yeah. He was 36 in the, in the 2019 postseason pitching in the world series. You know, and I think he was kind of running out of gas, literally, you know, compared to a month before, but still pitching, you know, very well. And I don't see why Lester couldn't have been, a you know, a middle of the rotation guy, you know, giving us a chance to win because we know he can handle the big moment. And that's super important. You know, has Martin. I don't know how many big moments we're going to have this season, though, Terry. Yeah, no, sadly. Exactly. And has Martin Perez ever pitched in that situation? We know Nick Pavetta hasn't. Um, you know, Tanner Houck, rookie, you know, Rodriguez, Evoli, and Sale, you know, if they're all healthy, come. Chris pitch- Sale's never pitched on the big stage either, though. Chris you know, <laughs> he pitched in a couple, a couple of games down the stretch where you're like, holy shit, this guy can do it. We've never seen it. Not for a full in the playoffs, season. playoffs, we've never seen it in the we're for a full season. 
John Lester comes in here and all of a sudden these pitchers' confidence levels are like through the roof because the one thing he does he does not do is accept excuses. The other thing he does not do is is let you give a half ass effort. So I, I think the John Lester move would have been a huge move for the Red Sox. I think it bolsters an already good Nationals rotation, but it doesn't it doesn't counter Atlanta, but it makes it makes the Nationals good and I think it could have made the Red Sox a pretty great rotation if, if we get a full season of Chris Sale or a half a season of Chris Sale at his peak. Yeah, absolutely. Just another Charlie, another, what are your thoughts? another WTF on Bloom. It's 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 just like a. I mean, you have how how many millions left? Thirty million, and now you're just thirty one. My bad. Even worse, you have thirty one million dollars. And you can't give five million to someone who is a fan favorite, regardless of how you feel about John Lester and his exit, about not taking the contract. I don't blame him if I'm John Lester. Like, I, if if I'm a fan and I'm a real person here, which last time I checked, I'm both. Uh, there's no way I'm taking that BS contract either. That was that was a slap in the face contract. I would have walked to. Um, you couldn't give five million to a player that helped bring you a World Series. And still, still has something in the tank. At least from seven what years seen, later, something. You know, maybe seven years not, later. Yeah, I mean, he might not be John Lester that they lowballed, but he could still go down. Him. Let's go down memory lane of all the players the Red Sox allegedly had some interest in. Dahl, gone. Brad Hand probably going to also be gone. Kluber, gone. John Is Lester gone it keeps going those are the four big ones four more recent ones i don't think dj LeMahieu really had a chance to come to boston but now if you get trevor bauer and you overpay to get trevor bauer are you happy because i'm not i'm actually thinking wow we got trevor bauer we completely wasted all of last year like all of last year was a complete bust i would still do I think it it's even worse I, I, Harry, why would you do it? I would I would go after Bauer because there's going to be enough years to justify giving up another draft pick. If you sign a guy like Bauer who's guaranteed to give you 30-plus starts, you can almost lose two people out of the rotation, any combination of two, whether it's Evaldi. I think Trevor Houck probably doesn't make the cut at that point. Tanner right? Houck. probably in the bullpen. Yeah, but is that a bad thing? No, I think it's a good thing. It bolsters your rotation, you know, to have two front end guys when Sale comes back, and it bolsters the back end of your bullpen as well. Yeah, I just feel like Bauer, Rodriguez, and then you know either Avaldi or or Perez. I just I think you're in the hunt. I, I don't think you're quite running the risk of being eight games under five hundred by the time Sale comes back. You know, the thing that would concern me most about Bauer, you know, would be what I spoke about in the live stream before we came on. Like, can we tolerate his antics for five or six years? You know, um, I'd like to think we could, but, but, you know, we've gotten burnt. You know, Adrian Gonzalez, David Price, you know, and I'm sure there's okay, a couple but the, more. I think that's very different, though. I mean, when I think of David Price, what I think of is is ego, sure. But what I really think of is he went after, you know, Dennis Eckersley on team plane and decided to act like he was better than one of the best that's ever done it. 
if Trevor Bauer does that, but he's producing at his level, I think the fans would forgive him a lot faster. You know, fans forgave Manny of many, many indiscretions because he could hit 300 with 35 home runs. If yeah, yeah. you get Trevor Bauer at this level of play, I think you can totally make it happen. And if you remember the incident in Cleveland, literally hours before he was traded when he chucked that ball over the center field fence, he apologized. You know, instantly. Yes, you never, you never got an apology out of David Price. So, you know, that's a good point. And I, I guess at the end of the day, I would still take Bauer, even if it's not a move for 2021. It, it still could pay huge dividends in 2022, 2023, uh, 2024. So, um, this is a pipe dream, though. I mean, like you said, Job, excellent point. Where. You know, we've gotten worse. I think Renfro is is a downgrade from Bradley. I think Matt Andres so is... So do I, and I hate saying that. Yeah, and we I hate, hate it, Bradley. I hate JBJ. So yeah, if, exactly. if we hate Bradley and we're willing to, you know, say he's better than Renfro, that, that's what we think of Renfro. And, you know, Matt Andres, you know, stepped down from Workman. Um, you know, so this this team is... I don't know what Bloom's doing. And, you know, I think the last realistic hope we can have is that they go after an Oda Rizzi type guy, but there's a bit of a log jam, like you said. So, um, so yeah, so we're, we're getting pretty long here, minute and 16. So, uh, minute and 16, hour and 16. Uh, so any, any final thoughts before we wrap? Job, no, I'm good. Job's got nothing. What about Charlie? Nah, man. I think we, we covered a lot of stuff. We, it got you know heavy early on and a little bit lighter, and then kind of sad again because it's like here we go again <laughs> talking about a team that doesn't want to open up a pocketbook for John Lester. Some will bring you a World Series, but whatever. Yeah. Well, there's been a lot of action the last handful of days, uh, you know, with uh, moves being made. So, um, you know, every all the teams trying to get get squared away before uh, pitchers and catchers report, and and that's mm-hmm. tomorrow's the twentieth. So we're looking at what thirty, uh, no, not even twenty five more days, roughly. You know, until they all do report. So, all right, yep. guys, good show. Sorry for the technical. I'll definitely be uh, more on top of that next time, and uh, and uh, we'll be on as soon as uh, more developments happen. Could be tomorrow. Could be the next day. Could be Sunday. Who knows? But. Sounds good. We're here for it. So have a good night. Sounds good. Episode 246 in the books. Sorry, I apologize for that couple of minutes of, uh, you know, discombobulation. But, uh, and then we also had a little bit of uh, background uh, with the the bad connection here, which is why I do not use this device typically, because it's just not as good as the other one. But, yeah, so glad you guys were with us, and uh, we'll be back again as soon as more uh, developments take place. So enjoy uh, the middle part of your week, and we'll be back soon. Take care.